the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Hello, como estas? Howdy. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Donnie and Heather. Oh, wow, really? Are we, are we that now? Yeah. It's Heather and Donnie Mosier. Read the description. Oh, gosh. Uh, welcome to this Will, week's we're going to be changing the description of the show. <laughs> we're glad you're tuning in uh, with us today. This show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have wonderful outpatient services for counseling, therapy, peer support, and microcurrent neurofeedback. We use ISIS for all substance use disorders. You guys do all the things anxiety, now. Anxiety, depression, yes. And so if you or a loved one is curious about our services or what we offer, you can go to either one of our websites, matthewshope.org or mhdrp.org. Kind of gives more insight in depth of the recovery support part of our program. You can give us a call if you have any questions. You can call 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844 263 Four six seven three. Really grateful you're listening to two idiots on microphones today. You gotta stop saying on, that on the relevant recovery radio show. One idiot, one brilliant, magnificent species. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to say now. Sundays one p.m. in Houston on KPRC nine fifty, and then at the end of the day, they upload us to all the platforms as a podcast. So we're on iHeart, Amazon. Spotify, Apple, Apple, Spotify Alexa. seems to be king. Spotify is getting a lot of people just like Spotify, but yeah, I think it's easy. Um, we're also on Alexa. If you don't want to get up and touch your phone, you can just tell your house to t- play us. <laughs> well, and- you can tell your house and the CIA <laughs> and the FBI and our, or Google Music. We're there too, and Podbean. That's right. And uh, we have Facebook and Instagram. If you just go search at Relevant Recovery, I don't think anybody does radio. anything on there. People will share stuff. I get but I, I new don't- followers every week. Really? Mm-hmm. You're uh, just not on social media, so why would you get to have an opinion? Because <laughs> I, I want one. Oh. You know what I have an opinion about? What? Lots of things, but do you want to know one specifically? What's that? <laughs> you spend money like crazy. So listen, I don't buy a lot of clothing, You right? say that every time you drop $1,000 on a lot of clothing. <laughs> but when was the last time I bought clothing? Just a few months ago. We were getting you shirts because you lost weight and you need, your dignitaries were coming in for work and you needed... <laughs> we were just doing this like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I, I you did. got all the fancy pants and the dress shirts and the dress shoes and, I, I and the needed, belt. I needed some office attire and today I needed Vegas other... <laughs> I needed other attire. Well, anyways, my point is, is I'm at work working, slaving away in meetings and my phone keeps ding. Ding, First of all, ding, I didn't know you were watching ding. me I'm with not credit cards. You. I get a notification anytime a card is used. Oh, and, I need to... and you were supposed to be at work today, and all of a sudden you, you spend a thousand dollars, and I'm like, "What is my husband doing?" Do you, do you not get notifications on any of the cards that I should maybe be using? All the cards, I get notifications <laughs> on all the cards. Look, how often do we go to the van store? Every time we go to the mall. And how often do I buy shoes? Not every time we go to the van store. But today, they had two <laughs> pair that were awesome. Yeah. So I bought both of them. Anyways. Remember the picture I sent you? I was like, which pair? Yeah, I picked the blue vans. I picked them both. Oh. Did and you get I, me any? No. 
You should have, because um, if you go to the kids section and you look at the three and a half, that's my size, <laughs> oh and it's $34. Tiny feet. You are a tiny foot individual. So I did, I needed a, a hoodie. We don't need to know. And I needed I'm a jacket. I'm just thinking how I got to pay off that card next month now. And I did get a new pair of glasses. I have a new pair of glasses. Better now. to see me with, my dear. Yes, I want to. I'm, I'm going to try the the fully extended progressives and see if I can make this work. Extended third column progressives. Yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm Only like tired the of like step people got that joke. Somebody was making fun of me the other day because they were sitting across the table from me and I had my glasses and they're on my face, off my face, on my face, off because I'm trying to like, anyways, I'm pontificating about glasses. How bad is this show already? You're old. <clears throat> um, and then this week I have been like insane at work. I think we're going to do a Except reorg. for your shopping spree. Listen, today I was officially at work. My laptop was on my desk and opened in the office and the mall just happens to be a hundred yards from the office. So I was officially there. I was at work. Not today. according to our credit card statement. And, um, the mall was nice. <laughs> I find that I shop better without you there. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I hate being in the mall. So that's one thing. I'm not super girly girly. I hate shopping. I hate shopping for myself. Which is really weird. I hate shopping for you. I hate shopping for anybody. And yeah. having to like look through clothes and try things on and all these options, I just don't need that in my life. I don't care about it. I don't care about brands. I just want it to fit well. And so I do the little stitch fix thing uh, to get clothes delivered to me, uh, box every like three months. I don't do it every month. But um, so that way they choose items. They send it to me. I try it on. If it fits, I keep it. If it no fits, I send it back. You're an anomaly. I don't care about when shoes. It comes like I don't women, care about purses. Like, you're, to you're a total anomaly. You don't shop. Uh-uh. I've tried to buy expensive purses. You don't want to no, do that. I don't that. want them. It's ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> you don't cook. Not at all. You do clean. You clean like well. Like a crackhead. And yell at me about it. <laughs> Keep my house clean, please. I was homeless, man. I take pride in my home today. It, it is true. It's true. I always tell people I lived that in a storage unit once upon a time, and now I have a beautiful home, and I just don't want dust on my floor. I tell I people know. about when you and I first moved in together, and you were going to be this happy homemaker, and then you had to Google how to clean a house. I did. And so, <laughs> so I begrudgingly- Just for the order. The frequency in the order- I begrudgingly started cleaning everything to show you how to do it because I'm such a spiritual guy and then it turns out I enjoy doing it and now you do it OCD. Mm. And we have help. Yeah. Yeah. It's so really I'm really, really like <laughs> excited for this year to be over because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm really am. Like the work is nuts. We're not slowing down, but I did find out that we may be doing a little bit of a department reorg and my responsibility will go up. Not my pay, but my responsibility. Isn't that how it works? Typically. They'll they'll catch me on the back end, I'm pretty sure. My responsibility goes up and I pay. <laughs> At home. <laughs> That's how that goes up. You have a very supportive husband. Uh-huh. And you're lucky I don't have feelings because if I did, I'd have a lot of feelings about this. Oh my God. <laughs> well, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we have a special guest in studio today, my friend Jordan. Jordan, say hello. Hello. And he's going to be telling us some stuff about himself when we get back. Relevant Recovery Radio.
Oh, welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. That was a creepy sound Your you just host. did. Oh, <laughs> that was, I've fallen back into the radio show. Welcome back with Relevant Recovery Radio, Heather and Donnie Mosier, with our special super guest in studio today, Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Hello. I'm so happy to have you on. It's good to be here. Yeah, this is cool. You've never been on here before, right? I've never been on here, but I have been on the radio before. Really? Yeah. So you, you know what you're doing. Yeah, I won uh, tickets to uh, New Kids on the Block <gasps> on the radio back in the 90s. <laughs> NKOTB? No, they were still New Kids on the Block. For life? For life. Oh, okay. All what right. What year was this, Jordan? Let's say it was 91. Wow. It was uh, 2022. <laughs> Once their comeback tour, Power he's still in. Power <laughs> KRBE. I remember that. Yeah. Is that station still around? Don't ask me. Doing the bubblegum music. Um, So I'm excited to have Jordan on because Jordan and I, uh, we have a relationship, not like that, but like, you know, work and stuff, you know? That was awkward. (laughs) I'm right here. This is news to me. Wow. No, I see Jordan almost as often as I see you, honey, because we do a lot of collaboration on work and we're going to get into that. But first, I want you to tell our listeners about your recovery story and and what it was like and how you ended up with substance use disorder and what that looked like because... Substance use disorder? Subs- that's the PC way to... You a drug addict. I was a drug addict. <laughs> you a drug addict, <laughs> sir. Yes. But yeah, you're supposed to say substance use disorder or misuse disorder. That would be more accurate. <laughs> I know how he used it. It was misuse for sure. <laughs> I don't know if there's a proper way to use cocaine. <laughs> right. I used it properly. Well, I mean, look, I was never a big fan. I did like the way it smelled. I did too. Yeah, I didn't like the way it tasted. So where are you from? Are you from Houston? I'm or? from Northwest Houston, the spring area, born and raised. Okay. Klein High School Bearcat. What? Go we are the Bearcats. <laughs> Bearcats. Bearcats number one. <laughs> We are the best. Okay, right, we're that's done. enough of that. We're shutting um, this down. Um, so when did you start dabbling in drugs or alcohol? What was first for you? So I never drank or did a drug until I got to college. Okay. Made wow. It, yeah, all all right, so another reason not to go to college. Yeah. yeah. yeah college I'm, is bad. That was actually the only reason I went to college. Because <laughs> I wanted to party. Did you knew that ahead of time? Like when I go to college, I'm going to go wild? Yeah. Yeah? Were yes. your parents really, like, strict? They were really strict. I grew up in a Christian household. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I was hyper-focused on sports. Mm-hmm. wanted to play football when I got to college. Okay. Um, you know, sports came easy to me growing up. I was um, I was smart. Mm-hmm. I, I think I just guessed well on most of my tests. Can we say what college you went to? Yeah, I went to Cornell University. And you got a degree? My bachelor's in communications. Okay. Which is what, I don't know if that's a real degree. <laughs> well, you're communicating, so well done. Yeah, you're it talking counted. in everything. Congrats. This is, this is the first time I've used my actual my college degree for something. Yeah. But uh, when I, I went to school, I knew I wanted to be a sports agent. That was my goal. I wanted to be Jerry Maguire when I grew up. Okay. Yes. And um, so I, I left, I graduated from Cornell and I went to law school and grad school at the same time. Wow. I did my law degree and my master's in sports administration. Okay. And I moved, it was in Miami, St. Thomas University in Miami. Wow. So you're, you smarter, have, you're smarter than you look. I am smarter. <laughs> way smarter. You have enough degrees for all three of us. I yeah. don't have any. Can I have one of yours? <clears throat> yeah. I get, So I got into all eight Ivy League schools. You got it, into all eight Ivy League schools? Yeah, I got accepted. Wow. Okay, so wait and a minute. And you were like, I'm doing so well in life, let me burn it down with drugs and alcohol. Well, but that's what I want to talk about, because there's this such misconception of Just trauma. Oh, this trauma 
I got this trauma from being a kid, so now I'm a drug addict, or I got a, I had this horrible life. Your parents were good parents. Were and are still married. Yep. Christians. Christians. Love you. Love me. They beat you a lot. Didn't beat me at all. Right. You went to college. You did well. Yeah. I had a great childhood, man. My I grew up literally like a uh, stereotypical privileged white kid. My dad worked at a country club, like a company that managed country clubs. Okay. I grew up playing golf at the country club. So there's no trauma? No trauma. What happened? <laughs> what happened? I just wanted to party. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out I have this crazy little thing called the allergy. Yeah. 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 And once I started, I couldn't stop. It right. took me about 21 years to stop. Was it that way from the beginning? Uh, did it start out just kind of partying I mean, and, and then progressive? We all know that it progressively or? gets worse. But I mean, did you? I know you didn't have the language for it, but did you um, do too much right away? Uh, you know what? I think because I started so late, mm-hmm. I was able to like handle it for a long time. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I did more than everybody else right away. Right, right. Do you um, think that you were delusional in thinking you handled it well for a while? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I was asked literally. Uh, probably four nights ago, I was at the cigar lounge. They're like, "Were you a functioning alcoholic?" I said, "I'm going to tell you yes, but all my friends who are alcoholics are going to laugh at that statement." Right. <laughs> right. So you know, I started I started in college and I went hard, you know, all through college, and then I got into grad school. I got into law school at the same time. I you know I went to law school Monday through Friday all day. I went to grad school from six to ten at night Monday through Thursday. I lived on South Beach. Uh, I graduated oh. in three years, so there was no there was no consequences at all for me, and I I kept succeeding and doing well in life. And so at that point, you're partying. I was partying. It was college, right? Yeah, I just did what college people did. Right, right. But it got bad in law school. Did it? That's when it got out of hand. What What does that look like? That that so I had like a family credit card that I would use, and at that at that point is when I started doing deceiving things mm-hmm. um, to hide it. I would. I think I got like the, my dad's credit card bill rerouted to oh, wow. like a PO box or something. <laughs> and then when it didn't show up for six months, and, and it was always, uh, you know, I was doing well in school, and I I started all four years on the football team, and I made it through grad school and law school at the same time. So just felt I felt like if I could keep succeeding in those areas, it would just take care of the rest of it. You know, and do you do you think that uh, looking back on your experience now and everything, do you think that a lot of people might party really heavily in college or high school or college that are not actually alcoholics and drug addicts that they could grow out of it and settle down and and just you know go out of that phase per yeah. se? You know, probably everybody I hung out with in college, right? They partied the whole time and they they are not an alcoholic. And, and an you happen like to me. be the I one. Was one of the lucky ones. <laughs> Now, do you have any siblings? I have an older brother. And does he have any alcoholics? No. No, he doesn't. Do so you he, have any other drug addicts or alcoholics in your family tree? Because I don't. Not that we know of. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, not that we know so of. just you. Just me. And lock that, unlock that gene. Right. I, I think I'm working on raising one right now, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> She's only six. Recognize that malady? Yes. That malady's yes. there. <laughs> so what happened after college? So, so after college, I went, you know, I finished law school and grad school. I moved back to Houston. Um, I got a, I got a job with the Houston Texans. I worked for the Texans for uh, 2008, 2009, and that's kind of when it, when it started to catch up to me. Okay. Um, what do you mean by catching up to you? What kind so of? I, stuff? I don't think I got fired. 
Uh, I didn't per, lose my you're job. You're supposed to say per se. Yeah. I didn't per get fired se. per se. <laughs> I didn't lose my job, but I definitely, definitely didn't keep my job. Okay. Okay. Um, it was one of those discussions where it was like, so Jordan, you're, you're going to be going, on. you're going to be yeah. going a different route. You know what? It was, it was also when kind of my arrogance and my ego showed up because mm. I'd finished law school. I didn't, ta- I hadn't taken the bar exam. Um, I had an internship with the Texans and didn't make a lot of money. So I decided I'm going to go be a lawyer and make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And then when I want to come back to the NFL, they'll take me back. Oh, wow. Because I'm me. Right? <laughs> I can do what I want. Exactly. <laughs> I'm still 25 years later. I'm still trying to get back into the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I think you missed your window, bro. I think I did, too. <laughs> All right. So let's go fast track. What got you? What what? Walk us through the burn down of your life. How bad did it get? It got bad. Um, you know, by my, I got married in 2015. Um, spent the first five years of my marriage in in destruction and um, burning bridges and kind of ruining a lot of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started a home building company with my dad, mm-hmm. and it was very successful until it wasn't successful anymore. We had to close that down. Um, I went through about five jobs in a year, okay. including a, a great stint I had with Amazon as a delivery driver. Oh, wow. Was your wife and your parents aware of your alcoholism yet or drug addiction They yet? knew something was wrong. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak for them, but I think they kind of chose to ignore it. Yeah. Does Amazon have any policies uh, <laughs> against driving their truck to go pick up cocaine? If you drive it 60 miles out of the way of your route, <laughs> they tend to frown upon that. <laughs> And call you back. Wow. wow. Okay, you know what? I'm taking that job off my list. I'm not going to go get a job there. I mean, sometimes you need to take a 60 mile reroute. All right. So don't go anywhere. Yeah, we're burning Jordan's life down. When we come back, maybe he gets sober. He's going to get sober when we come back. We're back. Relevant Recovery Radio. Back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hi. On this slick introduction back into our show. I liked that voice you did. That. Welcome back to. No, the not that one. No. Quiet. Storm. No, not that one. Oh. So we have. No, not that f- one either. <laughs> That's just no, my voice. No, not that one either. <laughs> have, no, not that one either. I hate her, Jordan. <laughs> you got a point. It is a bad voice. I mean, so we've got my friend Jordan in studio today. Um, He's a drug addict. And, uh, that turned his life around. He's sober. What are you so? How long are you sober now? March thirteenth, twenty twenty. So you got sober the week COVID happened. Yeah, on the March sixteenth was the lockdowns. Did uh, let me ask you? Could you buy cocaine, or were the were the drug dealers even like, no, 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 I'm I'm, I'm shut I'm, down. I'm, yeah. I, I, no, they were still selling it. They were they were driving <laughs> it to the treatment center I was at and throwing it over the fence. <laughs> yeah. Still Speedy delivery. It's so great. All right, so um, take the take us to the end of the end, right before you get soapy. How do you get soapy? Yeah, so I had I had a home building company that we my dad shut down. The partner backed out. Uh, I went through four jobs in less than a year. Uh, I had a two year old daughter at the time. My, you know, I had I had stolen from everybody. My parents sold their Rolexes. Oh, um, wow. Stole my wife's wedding ring and oh. pawned that. Um, I, I, uh, my, when my grandmother died, 
Um, my dad had rings with her diamonds made for all of us, my mom, me, and my sister. And when I got on drugs, that's one of the first things that I pawned was the ring he had custom made for me with my dead grandma's. And so I, I never got that back. It's one of the things I regret the yeah. most. Yeah, me too. And, and she, until about three months ago, she didn't have a ring. Oh, but you got her one. But she does now. Okay, good. Nice. Uh, so... You know, she she basically kicked me out of the house. My wife kicked Good. me out. Um, Best thing she could have for, done. For a brief minute, minute, tell our listeners why that was so beneficial for her having a boundary and kicking you out. Um, you know, it, it kind of showed me that she wasn't messing around anymore mm-hmm. um, because I was enabled, you know, for a long time. And people, they hadn't de- my family hadn't dealt with this. She had never dealt with this. Nobody in her family's ever dealt with this. She didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was successful and we made a lot of money for a long time. Yeah. Um, and we got to a point where I, we couldn't pay the house note. Couldn't, couldn't. They locked us out of our rental house at wow. one point. Drug dealers are buying new houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guys driving around in the Bentley <laughs> to meet me. His, in his your li- Prius. His license plate just says Jordan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had decided, you know, I plus I, I was very deceptive and smart, and I had a plan. I was going to go see a counselor first, and that would buy me some more time. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to admit to them that I was on drugs, and that would buy me some more time. And then, then the next next step was to go to treatment, but she threw the whole uh, going to 12-step meetings in there. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that buys me a little more time. So I went to a 12-step meeting one time in Champions, and I heard a guy talking about um, being homeless and living in lifeguard stands. And you were like, no, not me. I remember thinking, dude, that's brilliant. Oh. That's a great <laughs> idea. Because I had just been kicked out of the house. Like, I'm moving to Galveston. Man. Lifeguard stand. Yeah. And uh, I think, fortunately, this was in March of 2020. It got super cold. COVID was around. My wife was a nurse. And um, she she didn't completely kick me out. She let me back in the house. Mm-hmm. And I strategically, I, I know the days. It was March um, 11th of 2020. That I decided to go back home because I knew she got paid that day, mm. and I wiped the bank account out. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, and she was like, "Dude, you got to go." I was like, "Hey, maybe I should go to rehab." Did you want to get sober yet? I did. You every, did every single day of my life uh, for about a year. You know, what, went, what does that look like on a daily basis? What does that look like from wake up where to you want getting to be high? sober and then you don't? Be it was sober. a lot of prayers. I mean, I was I was begging God, please let me stop. I'll you know. All those little promises you make, yeah, like starts in middle school. Please let me pass this test. Yeah, and I'll, I'll never be mean again. <laughs> well, and you were raised Christian. Yeah, and You're so a, you had you, deep faith already. I did. Yeah, I, and I was, you knew Jesus every day. You were getting high. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think that's important for people to understand that church is wonderful. I believe that God has all the power, but for people like us, we need a little extra. We need a spiritual program of action right. on top of our faith. I always describe it as salvation is different than recovery. Right. For for salvation, faith alone is sufficient, but not for recovery. Well, I'm still stuck yeah. here in, in my selfishness. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there was a lot of anger towards God because, I mean... It wasn't I, working. I was, yeah, yeah. I was praying and I believed in God and I loved the Lord and uh, it didn't work. Yeah. And uh, I prayed every single day and I prayed every single night when I went to bed, please don't let me wake up tomorrow. Yeah. And I woke up tomorrow and I was, I got to get more drugs. Isn't it such a paradox that no one normal can understand how you're saying these prayers, you're begging God, you genuinely want to be sober, but then you go home strategically to wipe your base, your wife's bank account on yeah. the 11th. Yeah. I was That's, crazy. Yeah. I was so insane we're insane. Person. Did you go to rehab? I did. I went to the right step here in Houston. Cool. But you know, before I went, I had to tour a bunch of places. Mm-hmm. I went and toured the to uh, see if they met your so, standard. Exactly. Yeah. And my only standard was I didn't want to have a roommate. 
Yeah. Oh. And, um, you know, it's funny that God put that in my head. I don't know what it, it doesn't really mean anything to me now, but there was a counselor at the right step and certain people at the right step that I needed to, to, to be in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, they didn't, they weren't having taken roommates at the time. Okay. Because of, of COVID. They weren't admitting oh. many people. Well, that's when you met our buddy, David. That's when I met your buddy, I've David. I've had David oh. on here a few times. And when you went to treatment, did you understand what it meant to be a drug addict or alcoholic? No, but I learned the first day. Uh, yeah. The first day? The first day. They teach so that I, I Well, I went there, and um, honestly, I thought I just needed to go remove myself from the situation, mm-hmm. and yeah. then I could choose to just stay stopped at yeah. that point. But the day I checked in, uh, so I checked in on March 12th. And I was changing in my room, and drugs fell out of my pocket. Uh, How'd you get them in? I, they didn't check my bag very well. <laughs> okay. So wait, when you went to treatment, was it on the 12th? It was on the 12th. What's your sobriety date? The 13th. Okay. <laughs> it was on the 12th, I found these drugs, and I flushed them down the... No, I didn't flush them down the toilet. I flushed them down my nose. You eat them, yes. <laughs> yes, my nose ate them. And so, but I remember, it's, the 12th is still a, a tough day for me, because I was in there, I was in the place to get help. Like, I, that, I had gone there to get help and I couldn't stop yeah and it was very and that's insane yeah it was confusing for me though because I didn't know anything about 12 step and recovery and I didn't know sobriety was a thing I'd never heard of the big book yeah like never heard of the big book Mm -hmm. before I got there yeah same so it was uh it was eye-opening it was tough and the 12th is still kind of a hard day every year Mm -hmm. um but the 13th is a good day well because you are in between two worlds like you really want to be sober you're now in a facility and you have drugs in your hand right that's got and the guys close. next to me were buying drugs, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know it's it it ha- that happens at all treatment facilities. Yes. wasn't just you know unique to this situation. Yeah. Drug addicts are going to drug addicts. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so someone that worked there maybe they gave they presented you with some facts about alcoholism and chronic drug addiction that rocked your world. Exactly, da- <laughs> David was the one, and you know. It was tough the first couple of weeks. It was during COVID, so no one was allowed to come in the facility. No one was allowed to leave the facility. Also, no H and I's. So every group we did was cigarette group. How do we get more cigarettes? Yeah. So process group was cigarette group. <laughs> the afternoon groups were cigarette groups. Skills group was cigarette group. And I didn't smoke. Yeah. I don't yep. smoke. And so I was ready to leave. I told David, "I'm gonna leave. I'm not getting anything out of this." Yeah. And he took the time. He he took me into his office. Mm-hmm. Um, and one-on-one for about an hour every day and he read parts of the big book to me and told me certain things that he had learned in recovery mm-hmm. and it changed everything. Wow, bless him. Yeah. How cool. One alcoholic talking to another alcoholic. Yeah. So how long were you locked away in time out? I was there uh, <laughs> 29 days. My insurance company decided that one day shy of 30 days I was healed. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I'm yeah. TRICARE, so it was 28 days for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Your insurance company says, I'm not going to pay in the treatment facility. says, hey, you're good. Yeah. yeah. You know what? It, they, um, so I, that was the first time that I realized these people wanted to help me because mm-hmm. I didn't think anybody wanted to help me. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to help myself. I went to treatment to get better so that I could start a new life. I mm-hmm. figured my wife was gone, that my family was gone. I wasn't going to see my, my daughter again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also was a, a conniving person, and mm-hmm. I, I, I finagled a way to, to leave the rights they they were going to allow me to switch to PHP. Mm-hmm. So I was going to leave, go home and see my daughter that night, then come back the next day and tell them I couldn't handle the PHP part uh-huh. and I wanted to check back in. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a plan. Like, yeah. They were like, <laughs> man, that sounds like a lot of paperwork. Yeah. So they set up a meeting with my wife and my daughter and my Perfect. counselor at the park right next, like the little public park next to us. And so you've been, so your real first attempt is on the 13th. The 13th. And you've been yeah. sober since. Yes. 
So you're what we call a one-chip wonder. So far. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. There are times when I hear people talking in meetings, and I'm like, man. Because I'm like a 20 desire chip girl, but Donnie's a one chip wonder. And I didn't I, know that either. I well, think, I, think I had burned it down. I had no options. It right. was like, do what they said. Or... But it's not even about the externals. It's that internal willingness to do something different and to listen to what's yep. being presented to you. And I just, I had lots of ideas. Everybody else was wrong, and I continued to relapse. She still yeah. does. <laughs> she still has lots of ideas. Everybody else is still Like wrong. how much I should spend at the mall. Listen, um, back to Jordan. Anyways, um, we met you about a year after COVID. No, you. I, we met during COVID. We did. Yeah, it was near the end of that year. I okay. started seeing him at Post Oak. Yeah. I just remember going to On that la- Monday night meetings. a dinner, an IHOP dinner with you and David. There's a whole big okay. group. And I remember us, that's when I really remember meeting you. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, you know, you're about it. And that's yeah. always exciting to meet someone else that's about it. And so tell me about your experience with... Getting sober in the twelve step fellowship, working the steps. I know we got to take when, a break. Soon. When we come okay. back, so when we come back, so thank God for Jordan's family. He is sober now. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about early recovery and what that looks like. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Today in studio, we have my friend Jordan. Hello. And uh, Jordan is now finally sober. Thank Thank the Lord. Jesus. So you get sober in uh, 2020, which really was a tough time to get sober. You can't, there wasn't a lot of in-person meetings. There wasn't a lot, like it was really, really tough for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I will, I want to say one thing about that, that honestly, that, that part of sobriety saved my marriage. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, when I got out of the right step, I knew I was going to do whatever I had to do. Mm-hmm. I was going to go to every meeting that I could go to. I was going to get a sponsor. I was working the steps. But my wife didn't know that. Yeah. You know, if I was leaving to go to meetings every day, she would have just seen me leave yeah. and come home. But instead, she was working at home on her laptop, and I was sitting in front of her on my laptop on Zoom all day long. So she could see you working the program, yeah. trying to get well, and she didn't have to worry what you're out really doing. Right. Yeah. And it, it saved my marriage. It really did. And so you get a sponsor. How, how long did it take you to get through the 12 steps? So my, we worked it a little slow. He was My sponsor's wife was pregnant, and it was um, COVID time, so he was very uh, apprehensive about um, meeting and stuff. So we met in parks. It took me about six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. And did you start sponsoring slow. other people? I did right away. Uh huh. Um, and it probably took me six months to sponsor that guy. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what people transmit what they've been taught. Right. You know, and exactly. so there's lots of different flavors of the 12 steps. And so I'm just always curious because lots of different things can work for people. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, is I just sponsored a guy. We just, we went to, went through the steps in 19 days. Yeah. I took a girl through the steps in 10 days yeah. once. You know? Is this a competition? No, I'm just yeah. saying. I it's took so- a guy through the steps in 47 minutes one time. <laughs> Shut up. Take that guy through the steps. <laughs> Name that tune. Uh, so tell me about your life uh, since getting sober in the last three years. Like, what what are your 
What are the biggest gifts of sobriety? Like, and, how's your life improved? Your family with your wife, your parents? What does that look like? It's beautiful now. You know, I, one thing that about me that I always knew is that I was a selfish person. That I always thought about Jordan first, and I still, I still do. It's something I still have to work on every day. Um, but now I get to be of service to others, especially my wife. Yeah. Um, she has she has a great job. She works long hours. Um, for three years, she took care of one child by herself, and and now I get to try to do as much as I can for her in that arena. Yeah, because you have two kids now. Yeah, two kids, two and daughters. you and your wife got to come over to our Christmas party this last weekend, yes. and I love spending time with her, and that, that her, for her to be around your fellowship yeah. of all these sober people and to see, you know... Uh, why we do this because it's ultimately to restore families like right. what you've been working on and doing with your own family yeah, how's everything fun. with your parents it's it's way better i mean there was a point where my dad told me never to come back home oh wow and i was like you're right because yeah. uh i don't yet i don't i don't know what i'll do if i come to your house what does that amends look like how many that's what i was about to talking? ask i want to i want to know some of your profound amends experiences yeah the, so you know what i've had the whole the whole range so with my wife it's been it's been truly a living amends. Show me. I can say yeah. I'm sorry, um, but I've spent the past three and a half, almost four years doing it every single day. Um, with my dad and mom, they're, they're the most loving people, and uh, it was just kind of saying sorry, and, and they forgave me for everything. Right. Mm. Um, there's some people in my life, there's a, there's a guy that I grew up with that I kind of abandoned when I was using, and he still won't talk to me. He's okay. done. He's done with me, which I probably don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I get it. There's people that won't talk to me anymore either. Yeah. Um, most of them are family. Right. <laughs> oh, right. Shut up. You're just, a liar. That's not wife. true. They just make good judgment <laughs> Your calls. Your wife won't talk to you anymore. Um, so is there, what's another experience that you had profound, like with uh, the step work or the process of the steps? Or what? what is something you think that was an epiphany moment of yeah. that you learned through 12 steps? So the game changer for me was um, at about a year and a half, 18 months of sobriety, I was, uh, I don't know, I was depressed. I was struggling in life big time. I had some turmoil in my uh, career. And, um, but there was, I mean, I had a lot of things happen, a lot mm -hmm. of external things happen, but I would never, ever thought about drinking or using. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm, and I remember saying out loud, like, God, please just don't ever let me use drugs again. And saying, I will take care of my money. I will take mm. care of my relationships and my job. And uh, I remember sitting at Post Oak Club one time and, the, and I told this lady, I think I'm powerless over more than just drugs and alcohol. <laughs> yeah. And she said, wait till you realize you're powerless over everything. everything. Yeah. And that yeah. was it. That, that changed my life. Yeah. Um, I remember that. I remember you talking about it. Yeah, and I think I called you in tears. and It was a um, profound experience. Got is, back to work. Isn't that such a unique epiphany that we have at some point where it's like, I think I just want God to remove the drugs and the alcohol. I got the rest of my life. But to find out that I suck and fail at managing my own life and every facet of my life, that I need God's power in yeah. everything. Like, And the crazy thing is, is the the when I finally said I'm powerless over everything, it in turn gave me this power Yeah, that um I could rely on God for everything that's the paradox of the surrender yeah. when it reminds me of what john what john said last night i've been mulling over since he said it which part you can't treat an alcohol or drug addiction by removing alcohol and drugs yeah yeah by like, sobriety right right but, and yeah. i explained that for a second because what he said was if you think you're going to treat your alcoholism by being sober you're wrong right, right. That's just the beginning. I, I told John after the meeting, I was like, dude, that's one of the best things I've ever heard. And oh, he looked at great. me like, I, I say those things all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just a profound yeah. guy. 
<laughs> it was that was that was beautiful, man. It really was because that's I think what happened to you in that moment with that lady is you realize wait a minute, drugs and alcohol aren't even a factor. Right. It's just me. It's now yeah. all the other stuff. It's just I have a problem. Yeah. I have a spiritual problem. Yeah. That uh, you know, I talked about it earlier, but I was I was angry at God, and then I felt guilty. Yeah. That I was that I had this uh, program of AA that I used mm-hmm. that was fixing this problem when I had been praying all along for God to fix it, and I I felt guilty that I'm using this when you know it just turned out. That whole program was leading me back to God. Isn't that the paradox? A lot of Christians have that prejudice coming into the 12-step world. And I think once we realize it's just a blue, like a catalyst to get me deeper connected to the God that I already believe in, there's yes. no contradiction. God's using the, the yeah. 12-step world to get me to be in relationship with him. Exactly. That's all that it is. Exactly. So I do want to talk about how me and Jordan work together. Yeah. So what do you do now? Uh, right now, I work for a place called Sunshine Behavioral Health. I am in business Sunshine. development. Yeah. It's a beautiful company. I've only, I just started working there in October. Um, it's it's a treatment uh, substance use disorder company. Uh, we have locations all across the U.S. and California, Colorado, Illinois. Where's the closest one to Houston? It's right outside of Austin in okay. Bastrop. It's okay. called Willow Springs Recovery. Okay. Okay. And um, so I, I work for them. I just went to Denver for our company Christmas party. Okay, cool. Uh, it's a great company that truly cares about, you know, helping people get better. Okay. And what's a phone number for their admissions or you don't have it up? <laughs> okay, we'll move Sunshine on to the next. Behavioralhealth.com. <laughs> The other thing is last year, if anyone's listened to the show for a year, you know about Soberfest. And so Jordan and I were the marketing team basically for Soberfest, which got us affiliated with the Party Sober Partnership. So talk for a minute about your affiliation with Party Sober because we're both now on the advisory board. Yeah, so we're on the advisory board. Um, I, I do have their, their mission statement is uh, to provide fun, sober social events for those in recovery and mental wellness communities promote connection and long-term success. And if they have other questions, they can go to partysober.org. But tell us right. about why you're here with the recent event upcoming. Yeah, so the, the Houston Texans reached out to uh, to us mm-hmm. um, and asked us if we wanted to be a part of the first annual recovery game, recovery day with the Houston is this, Texans. Is this your first step back into the NFL? It might be. <laughs> the it NFL might be. called you NFL 25 called years me. later. And they're going to let me on the field after the game. <laughs> and so when is it? Where is it? Where can we find information? Yeah, it's December 31st uh, at noon. It's the last home game of the season against the Tennessee Titans, and who are the old Houston Oilers. That's That's apparently a big thing, right? Yes, for a Houstonian, it's a huge thing. Uh, We're going to have a tailgate in the yellow lot. Uh, We sold 725 tickets so far to this game. 725 sober people are going to be sitting together at this game. Yes. How cool. It's going to be amazing. Is it sold out? Are there any tickets available? It's sold out. Okay. (laughs) But but if you do need tickets, go to the Party Sober Partnership Facebook page. We can help you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jordan. So you guys both participate in this. Yeah. Uh, Now, it's already sold out. Yeah, there might be there might be ways to get tickets. If you need tickets, reach out to us through partysober.org or the the Facebook page. Send us a message, and we can see if we can find a way to get more tickets. What time does tailgating start? Tailgating will start about eight a.m. in the yellow lot. Can I just show up for that and then leave? Absolutely. I don't really watch <laughs> soccer a whole lot. I'm not a big soccer fan. Well, thank you, Jordan, for being our guest. I really enjoyed your recovery story. Don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Yep, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Relevant Recovery Radio Show with Heather and Donnie. I want to thank you, Jordan, for being here. Um, We'll see you next week. Hashtag God, though.